Denver, Denver, I'm from Denver, 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 I'm from Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff. As it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most debatable city between the Vatican and Munchkin City. <laughs> Both debatable <laughs> cities. Debatable. <laughs> I'm Josh Johnson. Joining me today are co-hosts Ron Doyle and Jared Ajikang Mayer. Today we are going to ramble on and on nonsensically and hope that you, our listener, consider our remarks absolute truth. Believe us! No, that's not wholly true. Well, partially not. Today, yeah, don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> we've got Denver pulled from the headlines. We've got horse slaughters, debates, mm. Walmart, Walmart and, um, feelings. Maybe we'll let's talk about we've our got feelings. Th- three guys in a clock tower. <laughs> that's debatable, and that's it's debatable. <laughs> yeah, and you'll believe all of it. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing pretty good. Kind of cold outside today. Yeah. I feel great. I had coffee and raisin bran and a really cold bike ride. I'm feeling lightweight and alert. You I'm always look like you had a good breakfast. <laughs> I, don't, I always have a good breakfast. It's like I, oatmeal. I can I imagine eat, Ron getting up and eating I oatmeal. I have my I, oats. I can imagine you easing into old age and retirement very, <laughs> very well. You probably poo <laughs> the pr- correct amount of times a day. Oh, exactly. absolutely. Brisk walk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Around the mall, cup, cup of coffee with and your a yellow wine. lab oh. and your adorable daughter. Perfect. That's there. You go. I don't have uh, no dogs. No dogs like, cramp my life. It's like down. a Viagra commercial. <laughs> like just how vigorous Ron is. Look like how vigorous that boy is. My vitality. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So yeah, we're gonna jump right into newsy bits. And the first uh, newsy bit of the day is is Denver Diatribe has some news. Yay. We have um, cleared a space on the calendar in October for our next live event. It will be Tuesday, October 3rd at Illegal Pete's. 23rd. 23rd. I said I had 13 down. And then you said third. (laughs) It's Tuesday, October 23rd. Yes. um, At Illegal Pete's downtown. Coming up quick. Coming up real soon to celebrate episode 100. This will be our second love and hate fest. That's right. Uh, A report. Reprise, reprise. How do you guys like to say that word? Reprise, reprise. I heard. I say reprissy. <laughs> reprissy. So yeah, our our reprissy of last year's fiftieth uh, episode. We're gonna do is our one hundredth episode. Love That's and right. hate fest. Yeah. Looking forward to it. It's pretty yeah. good too. I'm stoked to have it at the Illegal Pete's downtown. Get some burritos and mm, beer. Burrito. That's beer. right. And you know, it's it's gonna be six to nine. And and the way that we're sort of trying and hoping to organize this is that you're not gonna have to sit silent from six to nine. Yeah, this is not. There's going to be more mingling. This it's, is not going to be the traditional live podcast. Go sit and watch people talk into microphones, right. sort of thing. It's, it's going to be, be. However, it's be it different. is. It is going to be spiked with entertainment. There will be times <clears throat> when you will direct your attention to something interesting going on. Spiked it, with entertainment mm-hmm. and Everclear. Yeah, yeah. but we we want it. We want it to be a little bit more of a social. A party. We want to. We want to celebrate that we've survived for a hundred episodes, which yeah. is kind of amazing. Hundreds a lot. A hundred is a lot. That's a hundred hours. It's over two years. <laughs> and it's, and it's if you close. if you consider all the back end effort uh, involved in it too, it's way more. I mean, it's just it's pretty remarkable that I we're still around, and I'm pretty excited. Triple digits. Triple digits. And we hit a thousand followers on Twitter, which was great. Uh, we sent that guy out uh, nine to five. Wook. That's his 
his handle, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. And he's all excited because he lives on Milwaukee Street. And he's emailed the list. He's like, I live on Milwaukee. Woo-hoo! He seems yeah. like a really fun guy. You lost me. We Our thousandth follower on Twitter, I sent, <laughs> I sent him out a tweet saying, hey, uh, email us. We're going to send you some prizes for being our thousandth follower. Thanks. Just sort of a surprise thing. I, sure. I just got excited. Yeah. And, uh, and then he emailed me and he said, here's my address. I live on Milwaukee, which I call Milwaukee, which I thought was fantastic. Pretty hilarious. So he's a nine to five Wookie. Nine to five Wook is his handle. Oh, oh. Yes. Yeah. Nine to five Wookie. Okay. We're going to have to uh, think of a really good prize for our 2000th. I know, right? Is that, That's is that right. your next goal, Ron? That's the next goal. They can come yeah. on the show. Yeah, let them be a guest. I, like I don't that. know if that surprise. I don't know if that's <laughs> so, so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Episode 100, Love and Hate Fest. October 23rd, Tuesday, 6 to 9, Ilya Pete's downtown. Put it in your calendar now. We're going to have more details as the, uh, the weeks come up to entice you to join us. First, real newsy bit of the day. So, Bureau of Land Management... They manage land here in the West, and, and apparently there's still a lot of wild horses. Lots of wild horses. And they have to round them up, and about, what was it? About 3,000 a year. 3,000 a year, and they, they only have a, a limited amount of space um, to keep these horses in. So they, they chel- sell them at an at a extremely discounted rate, $10 a head. $10 a horse. Which I imagine you have to break these horses in. I mean, if you want to ride oh, yeah, them, they're wild com- horses. Totally feral. Yeah, they could drag you away, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> you need a full time horse whisperer. For but that. there's this guy. There's this guy, Tom Davis, um, who is an animal hauler, herder, hauler, hauler. Uh, yeah, hoarder. He, he's, yeah, he's a life. life. He's a livestock hauler. That's his thing. And for since I believe since 2009, he's bought 1,700. He's been snatching these, these horses. horses. Up. He's he he makes up 70 percent of of the um, the sales. The sales. Um, but he's also been looking for funding to build a horse slaughterhouse. Yeah. And he's known for going on to um, reservation lands and buying horses where you're permitted. Where you're allowed to slaughter, to slaughter them. them. And has even been quoted as saying, what is wrong with taking all those BLM horses? They got all fat and shiny and setting up a kill plant yeah, for, right. for food, right? For food. Yeah, yeah. And so I, all this came about because this big story by the ProPublica reporting outlet ProPublica went and went through all the records and are looking at this guy, Tom Davis, just the sheer amount of horses that he's purchasing and the rules that the BLM puts in place for these auctions is that you cannot, they have to sign an affidavit that you say, we're not going to be selling these horses for slaughter. We're going to try and find ways to adopt them out or do something with them. Just don't sell them for slaughter to... Uh, I don't know, Mexico or Japan, apparently. Japan, uh, Europe, they love horse meat. They love horse meat. And uh, I don't think that the the piece, it doesn't go out and say this guy is buying all these horses and selling them for slaughter, but the way it lays it out, the numbers just don't add up. There's no way that this guy could be buying, purchasing this many horses, finding them and adopting them out to all of these different places or different ranches and families. And the big question is, is where are these thousands of horses that this guy has been sure. buying? Sure, but no, BLM's sitting on their hands and not going to investigate it. Yeah, and that's an interesting part about that, about the story, too, is, is how the BLM the other has, way. An, has a self-interest in perhaps not looking at this guy as closely as they should. They, they don't want to pay attention because they, they need somebody to take the horses off their hands. They, they have to – what they're doing whenever they're taking their – 
there, apparently there are like, I'm trying to remember the number. It was like 40,000 wild horses in Colorado and they have to take about 3,000 a year no, no, out. Nationally, nationally, not just in Colorado. Or are is you, it just in Colorado? I think this is 40,000 in Colorado. Just, Where I, are these horses? Why aren't not, they walking I'm, down 16th Street look, Mall if there's 40,000? Let, let me look it up. I'm going to have to horses. <laughs> well, way, I've never a seen a wild horse in Colorado. I've never seen 40, a wild 000. horse either. Uh, it, so anyway, they, there's a large there's a large number of horses, and they are they're pulling them out because they're trying to control the population. They're trying to to take it away. Horses are this weird middle ground where, yes, it's livestock, but we have these personal relationships with them, so people don't like to kill them. Right. And so they can't they can't just slaughter them or shoot them the way they would say elk. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, or you or you have permits, uh, and you have you know hunting, hunting permits every single year. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Horse hunting. They don't they don't do horse hunting. So uh, so. So now they're like, well, we we got to do something, and so they sure they're selling it to this guy, and they're not going to look. Why would they look? I mean, they they made him sign an affidavit. The the responsibility is now on him to prove that he's taking care of himself and doing what he promised. Yeah, uh, it's they're going to let it go until he gets caught. And the guy in the article, the guy's openly quoting him. He's openly speaking about his affinity for horse meat, how he thinks it's delicious. Yeah, he's a big advocate for the BLM changing its policy to allow for um, the slaughter of horses for for sale of meat. And he right. actually does do this when he purchases horses from um, Indian reservations. Where it's permitted. Uh, where it's permitted, or they don't have the same rules. And apparently from the BLM through these auctions, he's bought 1,700 uh, wild horses and burrows in however many years since 2009 at, at like $10 a piece. So he'll buy them in bulk. So he'll go to these auctions. And while some people might buy two or three horses, he's buying hundreds. So it's like, I'm going to purchase 275 of these horses in, in a, in a single go. And what, what was so shocking to me about this is the reason why they, they fetch such a low price at auction, $10 a piece is because you can't sell them for slaughter, right? Like the mar- because of that because of that um, stipulation, the price for the value of the horse is very very low because right. it's very difficult to find um, places for the horses a, to there's go. There's already like, just like cats and dogs having a hard time finding homes. Horses have the same sort of situation. You have yeah. all these quarter horses and racing horses that they can't find a place to put them once they are beyond their use. Yeah. Uh, they're like there's I think there are like six, there there are thousands of horses out there that are. People are trying to get rid of them. They don't know what to do with them because yep. of the way this whole system works. But we kill millions of dogs a year. We do. Just kill shelters. Yeah, there are. Right. I don't, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying I, I think that's upsetting. Yeah, yeah. Right. But wh- why, why, isn't, why doesn't the same? And I think that that's... I'm not sure. I think there's like two questions here is, is should we get comfortable with the idea of selling a certain amount of horses um, that from the BLM, since some of these need to be culled anyway, uh, should we get comfortable with the idea of some of them actually going to, to slaughter? And the horse advocates say, no, this is on federal land. This is Bureau of Land Management. They, the law that was drafted, I think, in the 70s says that you're supposed to protect these horses. Um, but when the population has gotten totally out of control, why shouldn't we say, well, you, some of these horses can't be adopted out. We have to do something with them. Should we open up a market where a certain number of them would actually go for slaughter? Sure. Because here's another, here's another Davis quote. Hell, some of the finest meat you will ever eat is a fat yearling colt. 
Right. So, so okay. So I did I do a little more checking. It's it's not just here in Colorado, but uh, there are large there are herds here in Colorado. It's it's just in the American West, west of the Mississippi. There used to be millions right at the turn of the century, and they rounded most of them up, slaughtered them, used them for dog uh, food, that sort of thing, and and it got all the way until by 1970 there were only about 17,000 left. So then Congress passed a protection on them, and and now the herds are up to about sixty five thousand horses and and burros, wild wild donkeys out on the range. Uh, so, but this guy Tom Davis, he lives in uh, he San li- Luis Valley, right? He's he's a, he's a Colorado, yes, and res- uh, resident. The, yeah. I bet he's just. I don't. I don't really know what's going through this guy's mind, but the fact that the uh, reporter from ProPublica was able to go to him and get these just astounding quotes, where he's talking. I thought that. I almost thought that that quote was made up. I just can't believe that someone would so openly talk about that. He also said, he was also quoted as saying, I love wild horses to death. That's <laughs> what he was saying. So I, I, I think he was you trying to You know be, the he, journalist that when he said that was just, just like oh, licking his chops. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And, and Thank you for your interview. Thing. So if this guy, I mean, clearly he's buying all these. They're going somewhere. They are being sold in, in, in some capacity. Uh, for slaughter. I mean, that wasn't said in the article, but I mean, there's, we can definitely infer that. But here was a line that was so amazing to me. If you're, if you are buying a, 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 even a wild horse for slaughter, um, at a regular auction, it said in there that they'll, they will on the open market, they will go for between 300,000 to $600,000. Is that correct? What? I had to read oh, I don't know. this thing like three or four times. So he might be buying them for ten dollars a piece, but then selling them for tens of thousands. That can't be true because lots of people would be doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you or why are we doing it? Ten bucks. I mean, I would do that. I can go buy. And why, and, you I know, can go buy at least four right now. Then why would? Yeah, why wouldn't the why wouldn't the BLM be doing it? Uh, selling it at the market rate if there is in fact that high. Well, because high they value. Can't. I mean, that's. I think they. I think the BLM would consider something. Like I imagine that, you would have to break them, um, and you would have to do some some years of investment to bring this horse up to. I something. think a lot of these horses they 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 are never saddle broken. I mean, you sure. might they might sure, they sure, might go sure. to a horse rescue and just still be more or less wild, just there, and right. Majestic. But I'm saying if you want to if you want to get hundreds of thousands of dollars, I can't imagine that you're taking it that it's a matter of transporting from BLM to the buyer. Yeah, there's probably there's got to be some investment in the in the yeah, middle there. That, that, yeah, that yeah, exactly. I think it actually it actually costs the BLM something like five thousand dollars just to get just to transport some of these wild horses because they have to catch them and then they have to deliver them to this. Guy yeah, it's, yeah, it's right. become a seventy six million dollar a year program uh, that they're having to maintain. So they 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 have a vested interest in reducing costs. They also know they're going to get you know it's going to get so cut, then, which we. will... Because of because of budget concerns around the entire country. So clearly um, the BLM, I mean, it's just the sheer magnitude of what this guy's doing and totally like thumbing his nose at the BLM and the fact that they haven't uh, really checked into it. I mean, if he was doing a few on the side, you can imagine them not catching on to this, but they must know or at least choosing not to follow up on this. But then now that we know about this problem and that um, guys like this are able to take advantage of it, what's the solution do we crack down on this guy tom davis i'm sure that he won't be buying any more horses at auction from the blm after this story but that still doesn't solve the problem of having way too many way too many horses. wild horses that- why are there too many what are they doing they're, they're competing with uh cattle and other livestock that graze on blm land uh, mm-hmm. 
that for for a reduced cost. And so the ranchers that are paying to be on BLM land are complaining about horses eating all the grass. Come on, man. Yeah, but you're wondering why why has the population gotten so out of control? Well, I can understand why the population's gotten out of control. I was why just, is it a I big was deal? Asking, like, why, why is it a big why, deal? Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, I, that's you know I, that's the reason. Yeah, that's that's the primary reason. I, I think don't they need to do what they did in Fort Collins and, and give the horses birth control. Yay, I like this. And that was one of the solutions that scientists and advocates are saying that the BLM needs to do a better job at. Yeah, maintain the population in a, a better way. Round them up and neuter them and send them back into the wild. Yeah. Done. Perfect. Yeah. I love All right. It. All right. Horses, horses, horses. Tasty. Tasty. I would like to, I would eat it. I would try it. Yeah, I'm, I'm vegan and I would try it. Sure. <clears throat> All right, interesting um, story out of Craig, Colorado. Are you guys familiar with Craig? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Craig is, you know, kind of a joke. You say Craig and people laugh. <laughs> you know, it's up there by Steamboat. It's uh, very Western slope. I, I love me yeah, some Craig. Yeah, it's an interesting little, <laughs> little town. But there's apparently a Hampton Inn there. People must visit. They must choose to stay there for the, the evening, at least. I think I've stayed in Craig. I don't know if that Hampton Inn, but you're driving through and you... Need you, to stop somewhere. You kind of so. <laughs> here's here's the story. Um, the ha- the manager of the Hampton Inn laid off some workers who uh, and and then instructed them to hire. Um, instructed the management to hire to hire Hispanics because they're not as lazy as white people as non as non Hispanics. Yeah, not, as non Hispanics, right? So they, the the uh, non Hispanics who were laid off sued. And they won a federal lawsuit. They won eighty five thousand dollars settlement. Yeah, it, it was it was really interesting because I saw this news story at the beginning of the week uh, on I think October third. I saw the first story where it was that they were announcing this case, and yeah. the very but, next day, yeah, it was Monday. They, yeah and yeah. the very next day they announced the settlement. So these former, pretty instant. So these former workers they file a lawsuit. They filed a, the a lawsuit against. Of- this Hampton Inn. And Hampton said, Inn's franchise. This is not Hampton Inn, the, the giant corporate. This is this particular franchise. Right. And they said, we were laid off because you thought that... Uh, you that, fired us because we're not... Because Hispanics Hispanic. Are, <laughs> and his, because Hispanics... Uh, because people that aren't, aren't Hispanic are lazy. And what, what an amazing uh, switcheroo on of this stereotypes, story. Right. Because you'd normally see these federal uh, anti-discrimination laws. It'd be the minorities who are saying we've been discriminated against. You actually, there's a stereotype against this ethnic group as, as being this way, and you are lazy. Lazy. Yeah, or like the, the Mexicans are lazy or yeah. something like that. And so that's the lawsuit, but it's actually. It's an existing stereotype. Yeah. Oh, I, but you know what? It's really, I, that's the big thing that came out of this story for me was I'm like, this is Mexico and, and the Mexican people have really done a fantastic job of rebranding themselves <laughs> as hardworking. <laughs> Yeah. I know I'm being terrible. That's not really. I don't really mean this. I'm just. I'm just being tongue in cheek here. But the the old stereotype was the siesta, uh, yeah. the dude with the sombrero. That was that the awful stereotype. And now, right. it's almost flipped where the stereotype is overly hardworking. We work harder than everybody else. Well, and I and sure. I think that that's why that previous stereotype was so ridiculous because every time you'd see anybody that was, uh, you know, from south of the border up here. Um, they were like they'd be the hardest workers. They'd have yes. multiple jobs. They'd be doing the jobs that no one else would want to do. Uh, I was just amazed when I read this that there were actually any um, any maids and housekeepers in Colorado that uh, weren't Hispanic. 
Oh, well, no, or, or it, well, like, wow, but there's actually, you know, when I, I used to work at the Regal Harvest House, which is now the Millennium Harvest House in Boulder, and most of the work, most of the staff up there, the house cleaning, housekeeping staff was Russian. Um, um, so, but it sounds are they like, lazy? no, nobody, there was nobody lazy there except for maybe me and the front desk staff. Yeah. The stoners, the, the stoners. Uh, yeah. So no, I'm not at all. I don't, I don't, I don't think the stereotype is accurate at all. It's just very fascinating how well, it switched. Well, and the fact that, you know, when this lawsuit got announced, you can say, I, I read it and I would have thought, well, this will kind of play out in court. Uh, they'll deny the charges or something like that. But then the fact that such a large settlement happens so quickly, that's either the franchise saying, um, let's just get, let's just settle this. Get it over with. We're going to lose it. Or there's so much evidence that this actually happened, that there was this campaign and maybe, uh, to, to, to rouse the, the, the non-Hispanic uh, staff there that they knew that they were going to lose and they had to. Yeah, do you, do you think Hampton ends like the corporate entity uh, told this franchise, here's a check, shut this down before it spreads to us, before it becomes a bigger issue. We don't want this to go national. Yeah. If, if the evidence laid, was laid out as such and the that's what settlements it, are. Yeah. They, yeah. They're, they're so, shut up. So money. It's like legal hush money, right? It's shut up money. Yeah. Well, either way, congratulations to them. And it sounds like if they want, they can have their jobs back too. Yeah. So kudos. Or they can go on vacation to Steamboat. And get discounts at all Hampton Inns. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, the, the next newsy bit we are we have packed with newsy bits this week is a revisit to a topic that we covered a, a couple of weeks ago that was mildly heated for us. The, um, <laughs> the bag tax in bag Boulder. Tax. Um, just to refresh, Boulder has, Boulder City Ordinance has, um, or um, Boulder City Council has an ordinance before them proposing a 20 cent fee on those plastic bags we get. Plastic and paper. Uh, plastic and paper. Oh, all, really? all bags. All bags. All grocery bags, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you pay 20 cents every time you use one. For every bag you use. And, and this- it's moving forward. It had um, on Tuesday at City Council a 5 nil vote. Yeah. Though unanimous. three council members and the mayor were absent, so. And so now it moves forward um, in a few weeks where there will be Second a public, reading. public hearing and um, perhaps a vote on whether or not uh, everywhere in Boulder, every time you went to a grocery store, a t- the Target, um, and any other store that sells uh, or makes, twenty, I think, 20% more or more of their income from yep. selling um, food, anytime you have a bag and you request a bag, whether it's paper or plastic, you will have to pay 20 cents, right. which actually could get pretty expensive. If you go to the store and That's you're having what I'm five saying. or six bags or you know you shop once a month and you do a big shop, you could be paying you know a couple bucks. An extra bag. couple bucks every every single time you go to the store. Yeah. It could if you're be. exempt if food sales account for less than 2% of your business. Yeah. So oh, gas yeah. stations are exempt. And so what? Yeah, gas what? stations, yeah. Yeah, what? If, they, if if food sales are less than 2% of your business and gas stations that would apply. So that doesn't make that make So what you're saying is like Target is exempt from this. The, the um, Target in Boulder that no, does not no, no. sell it groceries. It was specifically written that it would include that Target. Yeah, including yeah. grocery okay. stores, convenience stores, and Target. Target's being targeted. Targeted. So, Josh, last week when we talked about this, you're still against this. You still think this is a... I, yeah, I, I think that you should incentivize, not um, penalize. And I do see this 20 <clears throat> cent per bag as, as a penalty. 
I, I agree. I agree with Josh, but I, I think it's going to pass in Boulder anyway. It's 100 going to pass. It has think, the votes, and I think the public is going to come to the hearing and say we support it too because there's such a craft industry in Boulder. You know, there's going to be all sorts of people with their hand knit, uh, reusable grocery bags there, ready to sell them. They're like, yeah, sign us up. We've got. A, we're going to start a whole store. We'll just sell stores. We'll sell our bags. It's fine. Right. Come buy our bags. Yeah, you so know, it's okay. I think it's it, fine. I'm, I'm not whatever disagreeing that it's not going to be popular in boulder but it's it's a, this article that i have here in front of me um says a march a majority of people who responded to an online survey oppo- survey opposed the bag fee as a new tax but just one person spoke up against it uh tuesday night yeah yeah because most of the people so what which uh is this colorado daily that you're looking at or uh, denver post i forget i copy pasted it yeah I think, word I, think <laughs> <laughs> I think i'm pretty sure it's the colorado daily article um yeah i would presume that colorado daily pulled a lot of students and the students just they they're opposed to this sort of thing because it cuts into their their funds but they're not going to go fight it no they're no. transients in the well town. i think that you know get going back to what you said josh about an incentive i mean this is an incentive i mean t- the tax taxes one of the re- ways that government use taxes is to incentivize or decentivize behaviors that you don't want to see. And if we do want to dramatically reduce the usage of these bags, paper or plastic, this would be one way to do it. Some of the details that emerge from this is that the 20 cents, how that will be divided out will be the actual retailer will get to keep four cents of that to enable them to, you know, change their procedures and do other things like that, deal with angry customers who are, totally pissed off at having paid 20 cents and then the remainder of that will have <laughs> to pay will out go, settlements <laughs> yeah uh, the remainder of that will go to um to programs that will provide uh like bags like canvas bags to low-income people oh, okay to provide that to them and also to you know some other um pro-environmental cause so it's not the way that they're framing it, at least now it's not a revenue generator to fill the general coffers it really is to target it to try to reduce this type of behavior where I think that such types of programs or such types of laws go bad is when you have an outright ban. Yeah. The bans. So like the San Francisco plastic plastic bags. So you can't have any plastic bags. What they found was that dramatically increased the number of paper bags people were using, which, um, you know, is not necessarily large is filling, you know, just uses just a, a, just as much resources and fills the landfills. It takes up even more space. Across the board thing. Um, you know, and, and I think in a focused area like Boulder, I think it can work. And, uh, but I do think that this public hearing coming up, they're going to hear from a lot of pissed off residents. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that they're, that they're saying where the other six cents or where the, the other, other 16 cents, 16 cents is going, is going. Cause I, I think that from a PR standpoint that it, to say that this is like a, a positive thing that you're, that you're contributing you know, like like the money's going to yeah. go to these programs as opposed to just saying we're going to fill our coffers. But I, it ultimately would be like a test of, of human behavior, I guess. You know, like if is it if if you gave somebody twenty cents for using a canvas bag versus taking twenty cents. Yep. For and that, yeah, using a plastic yeah. bag. I mean, it's it's. I just wonder. It'll be interesting to see for yeah. sure mm-hmm. how that plays out. But should it pass, which it's, um, I think we're all saying it's going to, that will go into effect. Um, July 2013. So you heard it here first. It's going to so bring some change to Boulder next summer. Bring a change if you're going shopping. Um, that's it for the newsy bits, listeners. Uh, please leave a comment on DenverDiatribe.com, like us on Facebook, or drop a line at seven two zero two eight two 
Y E L L. That's yell. And subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. It gets hard to say. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah, so we're going to move on here to our first topic, though the newsy bits were a little more weighty than usual, I think. They were meaty. They were yeah. meaty. Um, there was a chill in the air in Denver last night. Yeah, it dropped 40 degrees. It dropped 40 degrees, with, uh, especially apparently on the DU campus where there was a dust-up, wasn't there? There's something that happened something last night. Happened there. I'm pretty sure. What, I'm not sure exactly what it was. What it was. Apparently, uh, yeah, I, apparently, I-25 looked like uh, the scene of some sort of apocalyptic apocalyptic movie the yeah. walking dead the walking dead uh just yes. com- evan all the way from uh santa fe to hamden i-25 shut down i'm tr- it just bl- boggles my mind and then giant giant fences put up all around du as if the zombie outbreak had happened there and they're trying to quarantine it to the campus right um, it's kind of although we're, of course we're referring to the first of three presidential debates um Zombie apocalypse, it kind of like the debate <laughs> felt like a zombie um, from both sides. Yeah, not, not to get too like pundity about the presidential debate, but yeah, we're gonna try. We're gonna try to keep focused on the things that happened here and the you know, the Denver angle because you know you you guys are gonna be just hearing so much crap about this debate over and over and over again for the next several days, probably all the way up until November. You're just gonna be hearing a reactions to the next this debate and the next two right so uh yeah we just wanted to talk about some of the things that happened did you guys did either of you by any chance go down by du no see i did um uh we were going down with my family we were eating at noodles and company right there on evans and it was it was a nightmare on tuesday uh because they already had fencing put up around most of the campus they had it blocked off where you couldn't really get into the main campus area wow uh, the Driscoll Center, which is the the one with the the big tall tower. gold tower, uh, that that was all completely blocked off. There were just hundreds and hundreds of uh, news trucks and their little satellites and people with their microphones standing out doing their thing. Uh, I saw an, an impressive photograph from uh, Matt Ferner at HuffPo Denver. He he took a photo of all the journalists lined up, and it's like, wow, there's a lot there's a lot going on. Um, so that was that was really interesting. It, it just royal commute fuck for everybody. Uh, yeah, and but what did you guys think about that? Because it, there was so much uh, hubbub made beforehand, and then you know, the highway was closed down. But then, by and large, people seemed to think like CDOT pulled it off pretty successfully. And it CDOT C did a fine job, and uh, they had the roads reopened within like less than an hour after the event was over. Hmm. Motor, motorcade rolled out and it was done, uh, which is really impressive. I just don't understand why. Why did they shut why down I-25? Uh, uh, President Obama right now, uh, within the next hour of this, this recording, is going to be at Sloan's <laughs> Lake just standing out in the public, right. out in the middle of everywhere. Why did we have to shut down I-25 to make this thing happen? That's what I don't understand. Is it a statement? Is it to show that, like... We have that power, and yeah, we're we under can, everything. Like, 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 this is the yeah, that this is the force. Well, it came down from the Secret Service, right? That it had did. to plan this, and they did the same thing in two thousand eight when Obama gave his big speech at um, then Invesco Field, uh, and they closed down the highway. Which again is kind of like, well, what what could really be their thinking? We can speculate it's because they're imagining some big, you know, semi truck full of bombs goes and blows up right uh right near the thing and and it it is also we have to consider that both locations both 
the football stadium and the location at DU, they're both right next to the highway. They are. You know? they, they are. are. They're right they're, next they're, to the interstate. This they is are true. within throwing distance of, of the interstate, and so I imagine that's what they're that's what they're looking at. If it was even at the Pepsi Center or something like that, I don't know if they would necessarily close down the... Um, what, Magnus? Is that close to 25? Is that what well, I mean, I, DU is... It's Almost right. underneath uh, I twenty five yeah, right. for a portion of it. So uh, yeah, I could I could see them. I can understand the reasoning that they were going to. The bizarre part is when you do that, you just basically turned I twenty five into a runway <laughs> yeah. for for aircraft. So why? As, as well as other things, which I'll bring up in a second. Um, the, my my favorite thing about what happened last night, the greatest, the the big win. Forget Romney and Obama. The winners last night. <laughs> We're Denver locals, and I'll explain in a sec. But no, I want I want to talk quickly about that. Apparently, the DU crowd they had a big watching party outside, and apparently they were very well behaved and very quiet. That this has been one of the most like the the DU audience was very reserved and very intense uh, in a way that they had not seen in previous presidential debates. They I think sort of, I think you know you know how like when it, the the temperature drops, bugs slow down. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the forty degree it, drop. It could have been. That yeah, happened last I, night. I know the newscasters were all commenting on, yeah, we were wearing our scarves and sweating like pigs, but those kids over there in shorts, they don't think we're stupid now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was interesting. Okay, do you want me to tell the story? What, yes, what, yes tell, tell the story. All right, so the, story us. the greatest thing that happened last night, uh, I posted on Twitter a comment. Uh, well, okay, South Stands Denver, our, our frenemies uh, in the podcast world here in Denver, uh, uh, Colin there, he posted something about, I sure wish I could take my RC cars, my remote control cars out on I-25 right yes. now. And I responded with, or bicycles. And then I posted up a little Denver Dares. An hour later, the Denver Cruiser Ride posted a photograph of a lone uh, cruiser on I-25 right near the Logan uh, overpass. They were on I-25, uh, and it is just empty interstate. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and it, Yeah, and then the comment was, Thanks, Romney and Obama. Uh, me on I-25. This will never happen again. Yeah. You should post that, uh, that photo on our We website. should totally yeah. share that photo. It's like, it was like one big, what are they called, Ron? The Ciclovia? It was like one giant Ciclovia. Exactly. What is a Ciclovia? A Ciclovia is where they shut down a, a city street uh, to open it up to pedestrians and bicycles. So this was like the interstate put that way. So, yeah. Ron, would you be in favor of um, once a year closing down I-25 and making it one big Absolutely, absolutely. Or a border to border. You could have the border to border sprint. The (laughs) the border to border sprint. You start like you know New Mexico to Wyoming, just a sprint. Okay, that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm all for it. No, I I I think we should do it in the I-70 viaduct area. Shut that down. Everybody hates that interstate anyway. So let's just shut it down and keep it open for bikes all year round. They should leave the existing one. And then build the one, the underground one that they're talking about. So I don't know if there's any much more we can say about the debates last night, but just in general, how do you think that uh, Denver and DU performed in terms of hosting this? They did a good job. I, you know, I don't think they had any control over selecting Jim Lehrer as the moderator, but if they did, they picked the wrong guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, poor dude. I mean, I think it was. I mean, what great, um, what great fortunes for DU to actually have that. Uh, 
debate hosted there and it's a, it like such a, like an international focus the marketing for du now is just so happy so happy they got to be so happy i mean it's a great uh, school for international studies and politics anyway I, it just seemed very appropriate that they mm-hmm. host it so i'm i'm very glad to see that happen I, it was cool it was good and by the way it, yeah my wife said this too uh, hickenlooper you're single now dude get a haircut that's a little more stylish please Come on. Oh, no. <laughs> what? No, that's, it's sty- unstylish is his style, man. <laughs> Not that he's getting back in the game because he's separated from his wife. But yeah. Is that what you're suggesting, Ron? No, I'm not suggesting that. That would be some <laughs> what, serious what, theoretical What news. game? <laughs> yeah, what game? Yeah. He's, <laughs> Gov, Gov, you got no game. We love you anyway. All right. Any, any final? Um, <clears throat> no. Do you dust up? Sorry. No. It was fun. I liked it. It was. This week's episode is brought to you by Illegal Pete's, Colorado's favorite burrito joint with five locations in the Boulder and Denver area. Illegal Pete's runs the Greater Than Collective record label that works with Colorado musicians and comedians. Check out all the info at IllegalPete's.com. And we're going we're gonna to be doing a giveaway. One of the Greater Than Collective's artists, uh, the Epilogues, is releasing their October album tomorrow. Uh, it, it's only releasing here in Colorado and we're going to be doing a giveaway of that album. We'll mail it out to you. All you need to do is just, uh, be someone that likes us on Facebook and you'll be eligible to be entered in the drawing. Just like us on Facebook and you'll be in the drawing and we'll let you know if you want. There yep. you go. Da. And we're going to take a quick break and listen to another Colorado artist. This week we have, do you want it by the Denver band Bop Schism. Back to the Denver Diatribe. That was Do You Want It by the Denver band Bop Schism. Their first LP, Coloradical, will be released this Saturday. It's October 6th at the Gothic Theater. So, I love that name. It's great. Coloradical? Coloradical. I think it's very fun. Uh, no? Cheesy? Mm-hmm. Too cheesy it's for you? It's a little you? cheesy. A little cheesy. No, I like but it. I don't care. They're, they're bring, a good band. You bring the cheese. Check them out. Bring the cheese. Bring the pop. There's, there's, I believe there's eight members in that band. Wow. They keep adding. They added two members in this last year. but They're like wild horses. They are. <laughs> Procreate. Round they them are. up. They, are. they also just moved back to Colorado from New York City. Oh. They like did one of those, oh, we're going to go make it. And then like, oh, actually, we're going to come back. Colorado is a lot more fun. People notice who we are. Colorado is a lot more fun. I think it's better elsewhere. You always come running back. That's right. <laughs> Our next topic, Walmart is coming. Walmart is coming. Or is it? So if you've been anywhere on the uh, 9th and Colorado Boulevard area neighborhoods, you'll see them. They're everywhere. The uh, no Walmart signs. Yep. Um, The lawn signs. If you're not up to date on this or even know what what the hell I'm talking about, there is a uh, development proposal for a one of CU's parking lots to put in a Walmart using 15 to $20 million of tax increment financing, and people are pissed about it. 
And in this last week, the, it came out that there were, what, two Denver Council people who came out against it, and it looks like the developer is going to have to find financing other than TIFF, which may kill the project. Yeah, and so this is the old University Medical Center. The there, University right? of Colorado yeah. What, what neighborhood would that be considered? Is that Congress Park or um, it's adjacent to Congress Park? I don't know what technically that neighborhood would be called, but when the University Medical Center there at Ninth and Colorado vacated and moved out to Children's Hospital or moved out to Fitz, uh, the old Fitzsimmons campus, the yes. Anschutz Medical Center in Aurora, that left this big, huge honking area right there that um, screams Walmart, Walmart, <laughs> screams Walmart. Well, originally this, I think this is why residents are so upset by this is originally when um, the university medical center vacated and then and they moved out to Aurora they out, to and and shoot. They, they created this big plan. Like we're going to redevelop this, but we're going to do it um, responsibly, or I guess in a way that is going to be very, um, very mixed use very urban, have a mix of residential and commercial and kind of be this new hub for that entire area. And they created this big plan and brought in this this uh, developer. Fuqua. Fuqua. Is it Peter Fuqua? Uh, and so, but then, of course, this was, um, when, the, when these plans came about, this was before the big financial meltdown and subsequent housing crisis. And so I think that since then, he's been struggling to find um, ways to actually redevelop this and make a profit and then enter walmart right enter walmart and yeah and walmart uh along with uh the other crowd favorite trader joe's were the have been the two main businesses that have been talked about the most that are potentially going into this area yeah well the the uh, trader joe's is going in on eighth they 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 have finally relented and confessed that they are doing it for the longest time i don't I don't understand that with the businesses, why they, why they want to keep their business a secret, why they want to not tell people that they're going to be locating somewhere. But for whatever reason, they were keeping it a secret. They were denying it, <laughs> uh, vehemently denying that we are not com- We have no plans to come to Colorado whatsoever. And then like a week Trader later, Joe's, yeah. yeah, actually we are. We're coming to Colorado. Um, I'm not uh, – but yeah, and there's – uh, my um, my hyperlocal paper in my, my area of southeast, sort of my part of town – uh, the Glendale Cherry Creek Chronicle has been all over this story for m- a long time, and it's it's not exactly the most. Uh, it's it's very. Um, it's like the Sun. <laughs> the, this newspaper it's very controversial. It's very tabloidy. They they get very editorial with things, and they've just been slamming on Walmart over and over again. And they have this theory that Hancock is getting kickbacks for the whole situation. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I, my big question is, really, who cares if, if it is Walmart? Uh, that's well, and, and that's a big and, question. And, and isn't this the whole thing, the fact that a Trader Joe's is going in and everyone's silent about it and happy about it, but when it's a Walmart, right. everyone gets in a tizzy and saying that they're going to pull funding. Doesn't that get to the heart of the what some call the hypocrisy of people who bemoan these out-of-state, big-box um, retailers coming in and destroying small businesses. Well, what the fuck do you think Trader Joe's is? Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think I think even you could go. I mean, Trader Joe's obviously appeals to a certain I don't class a certain of demographic. People, demographic. Um, but in the middle there is is Target. I don't think people would have people. Love yeah, Target. yeah, that. Yeah, I, I like I like that you're you're wondering about that because would would people care if it was no, a Target? No, I think that Walmart just has this reputation. It's, I mean, it and has, for good reason, you know, and for good reason. Reputation of what? 
of destroying local businesses of of coming in and that their that their business practices are such that they have they're they're large enough to undercut anybody yeah but and i would say that's i would say that's true in a very small town uh, I would at, agree. I think in that, a very small town that would be true, but they're not going. Walmart yeah, at Ninth and Colorado is not going to hurt Target twelve blocks south on Alameda. No, it's not. And, yeah, and in and fact, small, if you yeah, talk to the local businesses, is, is, is a Walmart they're going to put out in Denver? No, in it's not. It's not. And and in fact, I mean, uh, uh, this the guy who owns the franchise or manages um, Heidi's. Yes. Yeah, sandwich shop. He told my news. He's like, I'm stoked. My business is gonna is gonna go up because it becomes an anchor, and then there's these like subsidiary kind of of orbital smaller businesses around Walmart. You get people out there, and then they're gonna eat, and then they're gonna do other things. You're saying you're saying Walmart is like a a reef, like a coral reef. I'm saying it's like the sun. (laughs) 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 Yeah, and Heidi's is the planet. Little planet. Why are residents around there, and and you? Said you talked about all the lawn uh, signs that are out yeah, there. Right. No Walmart, no Walmart, no Walmart in the area around that. People are so worked up about it. What do you think that they're really angry about? I have poor people coming to their neighborhoods. Yeah, I, it, it, I think it, that's what it is, and no one will say that. I mean, but the, that's the, what the, it is sort of, the, because they, that euphemism is like, oh, it'll it'll bring traffic, it'll bring yes, congestion, I, yes. which is true. I think, I think the traffic a is a very thing. legitimate concern for that intersection. That particular stretch of Colorado Boulevard is absolutely awful. It was really, really, really bad when it was a hospital, and it has remained pretty bad. Uh, even with that space being vacant, I can't imagine what it would be like at 5 p.m. on a Friday with people going to Walmart to shop. All right, so then if, say, as a stipulation, if you get this TIF money, you have to develop the intersection such that it can handle the traffic. I think, I think that would be great. Yeah. I think that would be perfect. Right. I don't, I don't really have a problem with it. Nobody has bemoaned the three or four uh, Walmart. Um, they're, they're opening up their own grocery stores here in town. They've got like these markets that they're oh, doing. Seriously? Yeah. Uh, where they're are they been, branded Walmart? They are Walmart branded uh, grocery stores and they are opening up where Albertsons and there used to be this uh, I'm trying to remember Save a Lot was this small chain of uh, grocery stores that was open for a while. All those places that went under Walmart snatched them up and is putting in grocery stores. Nobody's complaining about that because of the the footprint. I mean it really it is a big major impact to have a Walmart put in, but it is a discriminatory thing, and I think it's. I think it's so when, silly. So when we have the two city council members, uh, Mary Beth Sussman and uh, Jeannie Robb, saying, going as far as saying, we will find a way to pull the TIF funding if you put a Walmart in there, and siding with all these people who are against Walmart, do you agree with them? I agree with them for serving on the behalf of their constituents. Sure. Well, do you, well, do I you think, think that's it's wrong-headed? Their job. Do you think it's it's hypocritical and wrong-headed to resist having a Walmart? There? I don't know. I'm feeling really awkward right now that I'm even in support of Walmart because right. really, I mean, morally, I, I don't really like this. I don't like the store in general. Right. I think I, I don't like going to Walmart. I sure I like cheap prices. I'm I'm as frugal as they come, but I I don't like the store in general. So I'm sort of opposed to it that way. And I have seen it do really negative things to small towns. So I'm opposed to it that way. So I feel weird that I'm even saying yes to it, but I don't think the city council also coming out, those members saying they're opposed is a bad thing because they're representing the people that they're supposed to be. I'm that's, with Ron. That's very yeah. unique in government I, that they're I, actually I, representing their constituents in the right the way they've said they want to be I'm represented. I'm against the Walmart going in there, and I think it is justified for Jeannie Robb and other city council members to, to threaten this funding for the project. 
But the way that I'm coming about it is I'm looking at it from the development perspective. What will this new development look and feel like? We've sure. seen so many changes in recent years and in Denver where we're taking these old, large, um, large plots of land in the middle of the city and completely developing them with a real plan to create a real city grid with real businesses. We see it down here in the Central Platte Valley, which used to be a bunch of railroad tracks. Um, we see it um, – you know, in, in some of these other portions of land and the, that place at ninth and Colorado, what the vision for it was to make it this very mixed use, denser, more urban feeling type of, um, locality and Walmart, nothing against Walmart or just setting aside Walmart as a business and the type of people it brings in their business model is to have a big, huge footprint with a huge parking lot and build a big box where you can sell a bunch of cheap stuff. Right. Yes. And that's that's their that's their format. And they haven't shown I've never seen um, unlike Target, where you will see Target in very urban settings where they will change how they uh, design uh, their buildings. It, it You know, I've seen them in the bottom of skyscrapers in yeah, Chicago right. and things right. like that. So even Tar- Home Depot does that in Manhattan. Exactly. And so but Walmart has been very resistant or at least I've never seen an example. I'd be amazed if there was an urban Walmart other than these like uh, little marketplace stores for for changing and adjusting their big box set of plans. I don't I don't location. think they do at all. I think you're right. And and uh, I, the only thing I've ever seen are aesthetic changes. Like you you go up into the mountains and you come to a town and it has a Walmart and it's got like wood paneling on the front. Well, the, you, know, you know there like, there are some here in I think it, here in Colorado, Walmart has tried very hard to try doing lead certification in some of its newer buildings. They're doing they're doing lots of experiments with wastewater recycling and things like that. Some very progressive green actions, but the general look it's still Walmart. Yeah, and it so, is. And so it's, it's, Walmart, it is. it's still we the giant the city box. Are trying to be trying to get away from the more suburban style of design, which is based around car culture and lots of cars driving around, which cause congestion if you put a big walmart at this location that's what you're going to get and i think that the fact that the developer is wanting to go with a walmart right away shows his real intent he's not he's not trying hard enough or not focused hard enough on looking for ways to make that work as an urban he says i mean he says and maybe rightfully so that he can't find any other you know tenants that that can bring the kind of money that's needed to develop that he 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 bought up a massive piece. I don't think he realized how big that space is that he took. Right. That he's got to now deal with and develop. Yeah. Uh, and or maybe the now prospects he's, now are he's a lot overwhelmed. He's, back in 2005, 2006. He's, of course he's they concer- were. Of course he's concerned they were. Like about, you said, residential. I mean, basically, what are you going to build? Like an outdoor um, mall? I yeah. mean, it's, you're going to have to find so many tenants. And, and is the attraction there just for shopping? If it's residential... Well, and as, and as a developer, he's considering how much it's going to cost him to build this thing. Right. And it would be much With easier no to partners. build... With no partners. It'd be way easier to build a giant box. Sure would. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. I don't know. Time. I mean, I guess the concern is, is, is it going to sit there? I mean, I, is it just going to sit as it is for the next 10, 20 years? Yeah. I have an idea. I think Joel's massive um, monolithic uh, skyscraper should go there. Oh, why, yeah. why not? With my, a Walmart, why not my food market? With the uh, your, no, 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 your food market in the basement, uh, Walmart on top of it, above, oh, yeah. and then and then skyscraper above. That's you know like 180 stories tall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the re- I'm sure the residents around there will love that. Yeah, yeah see if they yeah. complain about that. If they want urban, let's give them real urban. <laughs> that's right. Give it to you. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm sure what other, we should just put a trailer park there. 
Yeah, just put in put in a trailer park and well, a flea market. I, I, and I think that you know, we're joking, but I think that that's probably what this developer will come back at it with. You're saying, okay, you pull my financing. I don't think I can make this. What you're what you're actually going to get is an empty Hulk, and um, you know, some some crappy place. No Walmart, but I mean, it might be you know, we'll bulldoze it and leave it as an empty lot for right. 15 years. But I do think that uh, I'm not surprised at how this has played out. Yeah, no, I'm not either. Me neither. Not either. All right. Walmart ends up getting their patient. They're going to get what they want. Yeah. I saw it happen in Vermont. I was just in Vermont last week, and there's one Walmart. And they fought for years and years and years and years. Yep. And now there's the Walmart. Walmart. Anyway, um, so, yeah, let's do some love and hate before we get out of here. Um, Jared, do you want to love or hate on something this week? Yeah, I want to – I don't know if it's, I can say it's a hate, but I'll just say it's a hate. I, uh, there was an article in today's Denver Post – about Skyline Park, which uh, here at the Clock Tower, we overlook the Skyline yeah, Park we can right see in downtown it. Denver on Arapahoe Street. It's called Skyline Park in Denver, focus of debate over art, history, and function. And it has to do with the former design of Skyline Park, which was uh, designed by this famous um, landscape architect, Lawrence Halperin, who now um, has been getting a lot of attention, a lot of um, retrospectives of his work. A lot of people are saying how... Lawrence Halperin um, was this visionary, and all examples of his um, designs are really focused on right now. And people looking at what Denver did, which was kind of tear apart uh, Lawrence Halperin's design of Skyline Park and put in something else, um, as a big mistake. Um, but the the article uh, in the Denver Post talks about how the old Skyline Park, which I don't, did you guys remember what it, no. what it used to look Only like? Only vaguely. Yeah, it, it was um, kind of interesting. It was kind of like this sandstone-type material, but it had all these, like, nooks and crannies, and it was kind of dropped below the street. Yeah, sunken. And uh, when I was a uh, teenager and would come down here and skateboard with all the hordes of kids skater before, the, before the Denver Skate Park, that, the old Skyline Park was the was the de facto Denver Skate Park. Huh. It was awesome. It had it, all these, like, stairs and ledges, and you would go down there, and there'd be like 50, 60 kids hanging out skateboarding all yeah. day, and uh, and that's and it also became you know there'd be homeless people hanging out, and that was the big outcry. That's why they tore it apart. And the article talks about how all of that made Skyline Park a magnet for drug use, vagrants, and skateboarders. And I like that line because there's uh, drug use, vagrants, and skateboarders all lumped together, all on the same, oh, level. Yeah. On the same yeah. level. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. I'd say that's a backhanded hate on you, skateboarder. <laughs> I'm I'm going to uh, hate on Rooster Magazine. I don't know why it's still around. I think it's kind of sexist. It's just sort of a silly. I'm not. I'm just. Not it's a, a meathead pub. That's for sure. I'm just not a fan. But I want to totally love on their happy hour calendar uh, in the print magazine. If you're flipping through, they've got a section, uh, four or five pages, where they'll list the bar and what their happy hour specials are for every day of the week. And I think that's awesome. So I'm sorry I hate you, Rooster, but I like your calendar. Yeah. I've got a love on a local business this week. My car broke down, and based on Yelp directed me towards community auto repair. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's, I, I like them a lot there. They're uh, owner-operated. They're green-friendly. They recycle. And they give you loaner bikes. And, no kidding. And they really? fixed my car. They fixed my car in half the time in terms of labor hours than the internet said. Oh wow! The internet said this. This was be a three-hour repair. It was an hour and a half. Sweet. Anyway, so if you need if you need uh, car repair, you can 
Trust. It sounds like a commercial, not enough. <laughs> Trust in us. Community. I think they're repair. great. I think they're great. Yeah, I, found, I found it's fun. The, that's uh, what that's yeah. what this is for, to yeah. love on what you love. Love unabashedly, yeah. Josh. Yeah, <sighs> just I'm making love right now. <laughs> Well, that's all the love and hate we have for this week. If you'd like to share a little of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at 720-282-YELL. That's 720-282-9355. Our web hosting is provided by bluechannel.com. You can always listen to episodes on demand by subscribing to this damn podcast. For more information, check out our website, denverdiatribe.com, or search for Denver Diatribe on Twitter or Facebook. I'm Josh. On behalf of my co-hosts, Ron... And Jared, we're out of here. Thanks for listening. Have you heard the birds at the words Denver? High average income, roll like big spenders. Affordable housing, good money lenders. Low obesity, there's no need for suspenders. Check your calendar. Denver, Denver.